Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow into your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. Welcome back. This is Steve Perkins here with Tommy Thompson. Hey, Tommy. How are you? Doing good. Well, I hope you're doing good because last time we were together, we got to dive into your story. Well, now the script flips. Well, great. So I think we ought to just dive right in. I think it would be meaningful for people to kind of know where, where did you come from? Tell us a little bit about the early background and how maybe some of that background has shaped you or been a surprise to you. Well, I grew up in Southwest Michigan and uh, kind of have a pretty typical like suburban family life growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, played a lot of sports, soccer, basketball. I was I was a really energetic kid. <laughs> that <laughs> which, doesn't surprise me. Right. Yeah. Which now having a kid, I'm realizing more and more. I was always, you know, jumping off some ramp or through some bush, <laughs> you know, um, just very active, always doing a lot of stuff. And it was fun. Our neighborhood had lots of kids and we're always doing a lot of things. Uh, I think from an early age, I really wanted to be an inventor. And I look back now and I think that uh, was one of the earliest signs of a lot of what I'm doing now. Yeah, which is really interesting. That's not really a typical thing for a kid. So that's interesting. Yeah, but it's funny because I remember this this kind of sad feeling that came along with it that I thought, yeah, but everything's already been invented. So what am I going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, like we already have light bulbs and cars and so nothing's left to invent. But I played with Legos all the time. You know, I love kind of piecing together. Coming up with an idea was a big part of it for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was less about taking things apart, more about like coming up with an idea and trying to build it and bring it to life, which I didn't realize for years. But, you know, that's kind of something I'm all about. It's totally how you're wired. It's showing up now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a great family, mom and dad, my sister, and I was the youngest. And along with that wanting to be an inventor, I think I always thought about what do I want to be when I grow up? I kind of thought about what's my calling or my purpose in life. And again, like not the typical kid thought. <laughs> like what, what age did these thoughts cross your mind? I mean, probably age five or six, I started thinking about this. That's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> It's neat, but it's really different. Yeah. yeah that's- and it's something we talk about with people all the time now that when it's something that's your own, kind of in your own zone or sweet spot, like you don't even realize that's any different. Because right. you just do it and you think that's normal. Um, I loved conversations with friends about, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, I loved those. I would lose track of time in those conversations. And I loved, you know, soccer was my main sport. I loved soccer, music. I played the drums right. and got into that pretty young, playing in bands and stuff. But still, those were always like, those are cool. But what I really love is, you know, sitting down with a friend, if it's like a campfire, hanging out at night and talking about like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? You know, that's what really lit me up. Dreaming. Dreaming. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So, you know, but then that same theme is like, well, I don't know. How do you figure that out? I have no idea how to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there was that theme kind of kept coming up over the years of growing up. And it's funny, I don't know that I talked about it much. I don't know that I even realized it much. But now I, it's shocking to me thinking back how much that was in my thoughts all the time and 
and part of who I was. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where it's so neat when you begin to think about some of the things that we talk about, career, sweet spot, and life mission, that you realize these threads go way back, you know, just like you're, you're describing, and uh, it creates clarity that there is a, a thread that exist. Yeah. And I think this this question of how do you figure out your calling or your purpose, although it wasn't like some crippling thing for me, it was there over years and years and grew in intensity until, you know, college where you're actually trying to figure out what you're doing with your life. And then after college and, you know, I got married pretty quickly out of college. And so really you need to know what you're doing with your life. That question intensified because there's more weight and reality to it. What am I going to do with the best hours of my life? Right. So how did this play into college, where you went to college, what you did in college and some of those things? Well, um, it was funny because getting ready to apply for colleges, my family would tell me now, like they, they kind of knew what was in me, but I think they were giving me a lot of freedom and choice. I had no idea what to do. <laughs> and I didn't necessarily have all of this like guidance or people telling me this is what you should do. Or you're following in the footsteps of someone. No, like I, I was totally shooting from the hip. So I chose engineering because people said, well, you know, you got some good grades in math and science and you like inventing. So that seems to make sense. Right. So I went to University of Michigan for mechanical engineering and I did, I did fine in it. I did okay. I enjoyed it. Um, but it always felt like something's not connecting, <laughs> like something is not making sense here. And meanwhile, you know, I had always done a lot in music and had a lot of success in music. And so... Some people would encourage me as well to go in that direction. Right. But even the thought of that to me, at least engineering, you could see a path and that made sense. Yeah. Music, I was like, I don't know. It's just something I do. That's not like a career path, really. And it's there's a difference. I think it, kind of what you're getting at is a difference between, or there may be a difference between what you're good at and what you love and passionate about. Mm-hmm. And that disconnect was something you were aware of. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. It was under the surface awareness. Now right. it's like a present thought that I can talk to you about. But yes. yeah, <laughs> not great. until very recently could I articulate it. Right. So you reach the, you know, the latter years of college and you actually have to make some decisions about a next step. You're mechanical engineering, which I hardly even know what that is. Uh, and you're going about that and you're figuring out what the next step is. What'd you do? Well, um, like in real life, a lot of factors playing into it. So during college, I met um, my now wife, Ashley. So that relationship was starting to get more serious throughout the college years. I was also very involved in um, a campus Christian ministry at University of Michigan. And I was getting involved as a leader in that, and I was just loving it. I was playing music, I was a student leader, and, and funny enough, I didn't know it at the time, but coaching a lot of people. Huh. <laughs> wow. You know, all these threads, they come back around. That's why I'm such a b big believer in yeah. noticing those trends early in your life. But So I was doing a lot of that and really loving it. And, it. and so again, it started to kind of bring up that question of, should I even go into engineering? Should I go into some kind of people service work, you know, some kind of ministry or some kind of um, line of work where you're helping people like that? Right. But I, I mean, I didn't have the slightest clue, like, where would you begin? Or is that feasible? And then a lot of fears, honestly, of, you know, what would my family and friends think? And is this actually going to make enough money? <laughs> you know? Well, and the two worlds couldn't, at least to me, seem more different and different directions to them. Right. And I think while some people maybe in college years, they lost sleep over, 
an exam or a relationship. Um, I think for me, I lost sleep over this debate. Interesting. I really, really would debate in my head and get really tied up on which direction should I go with my career. And to the point where it was, you know, starting to make me question like everything else, (laughs) you know, because I'm thinking, well, here I am at one of the most prestigious engineering schools in the world getting this great degree and I can come out with, you know, an awesome job. Like everyone's going to think I'm crazy if I gave that up to go a different route. And um, those kind of doubts and questions would be there. But I didn't really talk to a lot of people about it. I mean... Those things kind of happened inside a lot, and I thought, I just need to figure this out myself. What did uh, Ashley think about these? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, she was a few years ahead of me, so she graduated, went to grad school on the other side of the state, and we were trying to figure out this long-term dating relationship thing. Okay. Which I would not recommend to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) It's not an easy track. Not an easy track. Um, And unfortunately, during that time, her mom got sick with cancer, And uh, so she was kind of alone at grad school, then her mom getting sick, us trying to date long distance. And I'll be the first to admit, we're very, we're very different personalities and we communicate differently. And at that time we, you know, we were total newbies at the relationship stuff. Right. So trying to long distance date and talk on the phone was a disaster. (laughs) I mean. Yeah, but you're, you're such a highly relational person. I can imagine that you are a great help to her even though it might not have felt that way. Right. Yeah. She'll tell you the long, silent pauses that I did on the phone were not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But yeah, I mean, I definitely really wanted to be there for her and her family. And um, her mom's cancer advanced pretty quickly, and she actually passed away within that year. Uh, And so really early on in our uh, relationship, we kind of got some dose of of that hard life stuff and needing to mature quickly and be in it together and really um, care for each other through that. Takes you deep automatically. It does. And it made things like our faith way more real to us. Right. Um, You think about life differently, especially because in college, you know, so much is just in the moment and you're in this fake Willy Wonka land of life. (laughs) And, And, you know, something like that hits and you really have to think about, longer term stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we got really serious early on about our relationship and, you know, knew we were heading probably towards getting married, um, which we did right after I graduated. All right. So you're, you're moving towards graduation. You're in this, what's clearly showing as a long term relationship and you're losing sleep over this dilemma of completely separate types of choices of what you can do. How did you go about deciding and what, where'd you go from there? I, I mean, I almost don't know that I ever fully decided. I always say even adults don't know what they want to be when they grow up. <laughs> yeah. So I went off to take an engineering job. This was in Michigan, mechanical engineering, auto industry, 2008, economy just collapsed. And so um, there were very few job opportunities when I graduated. I had two options on the table, which was crazy. My friend who graduated the year before with the same kind of resume had, I think, 15 or 16 great job opportunities. And so it, it was a drastic shift in less than a year. The two options I had were a big kind of Fortune 500 company out of the state and a smaller kind of high-tech startup within the state. 
Well, I went to the big company to interview, and you got to remember, I'm from Michigan, southwest Michigan. We get like two feet of snow notoriously overnight, <laughs> the lake effect snow. Okay. And I'm down um, at this interview, and I wake up in the morning, I'm all ready to go, getting pumped up, and they call, and they said, the, the interview's canceled. And I look out the window, and I'm like, why? What's going on? And they're like, well, because of the snow. And I look out the window again, I'm like, what snow? <laughs> and there's like a very light dusting on the par- parking lot pavement. You can kind of still see the pavement. Uh-huh. They're like, yeah, we're shut down for the whole day. So sorry, you just need to fly back home. Sounds like how Richmond responds to snow. <laughs> Sounds like Richmond, Virginia, which yeah. it was. So I fly back to Michigan, accept my one job opportunity because I'm about to get married. And I started that job. And long story short, it was a really, really toxic company culture. Okay. Um, it was a really cool job, really high-tech stuff that we were working on, really kind of futuristic projects. But every day felt like draining and taking a toll on me mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It was affecting my marriage. It was bringing down my friendships because every day was this just really un, kind of like unreal stuff going on. Uh, at this job. What did you learn from that first job that you took from there? Well, I think the biggest benefit was I learned what not to look for. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I learned what to look out for yeah. early on. And now, especially through coaching, I hear oftentimes people don't see those things till later in their life or their career. I feel like I got to learn some of those lessons on the front end. So even my second job out of college, I was very keenly aware of red flags and you know I was very aware of what I was looking for and what was uh, a deal breaker. So how long was that job? So I was only there I think a maybe a year and a half Mm -hmm. and it got to the point where Ashley and I were just we sat down one day and we said we have to get out of this like this is not sustainable and so we were kind of just brainstorming like what could we even do I don't know. And I think she was the one who said, well, what about that big company you flew down to, Capital One? Like, weren't you interviewing there or something? I was like, yeah, but I'm not that interested. I mean, at the time, to me, that was just a credit card company that I didn't know anything about, and I'm an engineer. I think now being in Virginia, where it started and was based, people are more familiar with it. But in Michigan, it was just one of those commercials with the the Vikings. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's all it was. So... I knew nothing about it. All I knew was an engineer from Michigan does not go work at a bank. <laughs> like, you do not do that. You go work at Boeing or you work at Caterpillar or Procter & Gamble. You do not work at a bank. And so, to me, it, like, wasn't even an option. But I said, oh, well, yeah, let me get in contact with that recruiter and just see. And I called and um, they were like, yeah, you know, let's, let's have you down and have an interview and, and see what, what we can do. So, you know, next thing you know, I'm accepting a job there. And we just decided to pick up and move to a new place far away from family. We didn't even know where Richmond, Virginia was on the map. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. I mean, that's a huge life change. Kind of resonates with that risk that you're talking about. You know, all in something way outside your comfort zone, outside of what you know and is familiar. Were you aware of those kind of things going on, that this was a, a radical move? I don't think so. I think at the time... You know, I want to be careful with my words because some people experience true, real trauma and hardship in their life. Right. You know, I was at a job and it was a job and, you know, we were fine. We were alive. But there was a a degree of mental and emotional trauma happening at that company. Mm -hmm. They had massive amounts of turnover and didn't even realize the issue. 
And, um, you know, there were legal and ethical problems going on, but there was also just the mental, emotional drain every day of getting degraded in front of the whole company, getting, you know, being told to do something and then you do it and they tell you they never told you to do that. It was almost like these brain games going on all the time. And so I think I was in such a state of that kind of mental trauma that it was like, I just needed to, it was fight or flight. I just need to get out. <laughs> like, Why? I mean, we didn't even think about it. We just went and did it. So what did Capital One have interest in a mechanical engineer doing? Well, it, it is a good question. And they've, I think, always or for a while been interested in hiring engineers because engineers at the core are just good problem solvers. Right. You know, in a company like that with tens of thousands of employees, they need good problem solvers. And you can learn the skills of a job in a week or a month. That's the easy part. The hard part is what's your thinking process and how do you approach an unknown, you yeah. know? And it's pretty so, insightful on their part. I think it is. As a way of, of finding people instead of the traditional means. Yeah. I think yeah. it's why they've had, I think it's part of why they've had a lot of success. Right. They hire lots of engineers there. And, um, you know, it made sense once I was there. Right. <laughs> but I had just heard they had good company culture. That was literally what bought me in. That was it. Well, considering where you'd come from, that was obviously a pretty high value. It was. Yeah. And so what was interesting is originally um, I was working within software development teams and having some leadership roles in that. But over time, I started to realize, okay, I really have a passion for this company culture thing because I'll be sitting in a meeting. I'm kind of paying attention, but I'm, I'm paying way more attention to why people are doing what they're doing. And kind of noticing, like, that person has a lot more potential, and they're really barely tapping into it, you know? And that's, like, what I would be thinking about. There's those words. There it is. I've heard them a thousand times, and talking to you, that potential and tapping into it. And so even when your job had nothing to do with that, that's where you uh, gravitated. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so that thread came back, and I started thinking about that question about my calling again. And I can remember certain commutes to work just like wrestling with that. Man, these are the best hours of my day that I spend at work. And what am I giving them to? Does it count? You know, I thought back to family friends I knew who grew up their whole career just kind of chasing a title or a promotion and then kind of looking back on life and like, what it, what does it mean? What does it count for? Right. And again, because, you know, I was that weird kid thinking about that. To me, that was a really meaningful question and something I wanted to figure out proactively until it was too late. And I was one of those people looking back. So I started to shift within that company. I started to shift my role and try to um, work on company culture and work on leadership development and to the point where I eventually had a full-time role doing that within the company. Which is amazing. Uh, I mean, I got to know you at about this stage in the story and Capital One is a huge, huge company. And when I learned that you were in that role, I thought that that's that's astounding that you at your age have moved into such a an important critical role and and obviously garnered the attention and confidence of people to put you in that role. Well, I think one thing that, again, I didn't really realize until a little later on is I'd always had that entrepreneurial thread. And so going back to being wanting to be an inventor as a kid and those things, I was also running around starting lawn mowing businesses and, you know, building a team of friends to build a snowboarding park, you know, that we built all summer so we could use in the winter. Like that was just, that was kind of what I did for fun. 
And I think because I was never in the entrepreneurial space or because, you know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, it comes out of um, maybe a pain point they were facing that they were trying to solve. Right. And then so then they build a company solving it for others. I didn't really come across through that track. So I don't think people saw me as an entrepreneur, but I always knew that's how I'm wired. That's what I want to do. So even within a big corporate setting, to me, the default way of, of doing my work was to find an opportunity like that and to create a new initiative around it. So you, you in essence, took this massive public company and created your own little entrepreneurial lens to operate. <laughs> yeah, which makes a lot of people there really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, sure, yeah. But I think what was fun is I started connecting with other like-minded people within the company. So, you know, executives who really believed in that mission and believed in what uh, we wanted to do to improve the culture and to help people work together better and to help leaders become better leaders. And we all started bonding together a little bit and forming, you know, a bit of a mini movement. And what was fun is we started to see that happening in other companies, other industries. And so for me, the entrepreneurial thing started kicking in, like, maybe this is a business, you know, maybe this is a business idea. Well, and what's interesting is, is we began to connect at about this point. And one of my first thoughts as we began to talk was, you're in such an amazing position there, uh, such an influential, impactful position, and yet you had even greater vision. So tell me more about that. Well, if you haven't picked up by now, I was just going about doing stuff with my head down. I, I wasn't very aware of a lot of these things till now. But kind of in parallel, another thing that was happening for me is that question of calling and purpose and just like we always talk about personal growth and being a person who grows and improves himself, I always struggled with feeling like, well, okay, there's that career stuff going on, but there's also my personal life, my relationships. There's also my faith journey, and there's also all these different categories. And it, it seemed like they all had to be separate. <laughs> and so yeah. to me, that became kind of confusing and like, well, how do you navigate all this? Because I don't know, it feels like, well, I've got my people over here in my career bucket of life. And I've got my people over here in my you know, spiritual bucket of life. And, but they're all one thing as a person. Yeah, exactly. I was talking with someone this morning and, and we were talking about how, how ironically it is that business owners can have tremendous organizational skills and prioritization skills that they use in their business and have no connection with how that could change the way they operate on a personal front or a family front. Right. It's yeah. almost like so many people never think to port that over. Yes. Which is understandable because they are kind of different categories of life. Right. It's like, okay, well, I shut my laptop and go home, leave work and go home. And that's a different life. But for me, I think there was a growing sense of wanting all that to be integrated. And that's where our stories kind of start to merge more, where you were starting and leading a mentoring ministry in our church. And I think I had just heard enough about you from other people to know you were someone who was seeking to grow and have success in those different areas of life, but, but kind of in a more holistic way. I think I had this latent fear of, okay, people who are really driven and successful in their careers, their family life is horrendous. Right. And people who have great marriage and family life, like nothing's going on with their career. And, you know, whatever, put the different categories together however you want. But that seemed to be the norm. 
Right. When you hear the stories or you see people's lives. And I was like, does it really have to be that way? It seems like we're supposed to live in a way where we're seeking to grow and be our best in all those areas. Sure. Where there's a consistency. Yeah. Across all venues. Right. Right. Not like, oh man, I need to have 100% success in every category of my life. Right? I, can be, I can be really <laughs> tough at work and, yeah. and then very gentle at home, you <laughs> right. know, or vice versa. <laughs> right. But yeah, I think, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I'm very much wired to want to make an impact through my work and also have a great marriage. Right. And, you know, also have a really good, be healthy in the rest of my life. So I met you and I think I saw you know, enough of that in you to really want to connect and learn from you and, and be on the journey together to some extent. Uh-huh. And so we were kind of meeting for breakfast here and there. And it, I think it just clicked really early on. And we did have a lot of that in common. And I was um, so excited and energized by our conversations and felt like we could bring up any topic and it would be relevant for that conversation. Well, and that was a that was a common feeling that I had. It was I felt like you know we were uh, we were just in sync with the way we looked at things, even with different personalities, but that there was so much commonality, you know, in purpose and desire, and so it just felt like we fed on one another. Yeah, yeah, it's that um, we always say one plus one equals three. Right. Right. Like yeah. there's two people at the table, but it feels like the power of three because we're building on each other and sharpening each other. Yes. So again, that thread of like, what is my calling? I think I was really starting to think about that again. And I was thinking about these ideas of entrepreneurship. Should I venture out and start a business? But even in what I was doing in my work at the time, I was, like you said, kind of starting a business within a business. Yeah. So, um, so it was a really relevant timing that you brought some framework to how I thought about all that. Well, because as as if, if you listen to the episode that told my story, that was in a sense the exact same path of thinking that that I went through where I was, you know, in a career in, in my case running businesses and yet asking the questions is this really who I'm meant, who I'm created to be and and so you know I created that framework and and of course because it was meaningful to me I brought that to you know our time together yeah and I think we talked about it in episode one but I I just I love that stuff even I, I started looking back over old personality tests and um, performance reviews at work you know I was trying to figure out who I was kind of thing and I found an old packet worksheet that I had made that was called find your like how to find your calling. So I gotten so frustrated with like, why isn't, why doesn't no one know how you do this? So I was trying to make some kind of process, but I right. didn't know how to do it. Right. And, and, and so you kind of introduced some ideas of, all right, this is how you can start to think through it. And this is the concept of creating a life mission. Uh, and it was just really timely for me because I needed to articulate things more clearly and I needed to start getting crystal clear on it, as you would say. Yes. Because I had some clarity, but it was vague and foggy. Well, and that was so fun and exciting for me to begin to walk with you through that. Yeah, because if you if you can't tell through the microphone, which you probably can, uh, passion is not in, in short supply <laughs> with you. When you are excited, when you love something, you love something. And so it, it's so 
obvious when you know when your passion and your love is engaged so going through the process of that life mission with you it was it was like your whole face and demeanor just lit up as you talked about things that really mattered to you yeah yeah i'm definitely an all in person and so as we started to do drafts of this life mission and you would give me feedback and we'd refine it things started to kind of the fog started lifting a bit and i started to see oh my gosh i've always done these things and and what hit me like a ton of bricks was for years i think i was stuck with this question of calling because i was waiting for the answer to just kind of drop out of the sky right and i i think quite literally yeah. i thought well, you hear these people on stage say like this miraculous thing dramatically happened and then I realized this is what I'm meant to do. And, I, and so I thought like, all right, well, I guess I just wait around until one of those moments happens. Well, and, and I guess it can happen that way for people, but it certainly seems like some of the things that we've thought through, you know, we think about it from a faith perspective, but if God is big enough, he can work through our minds and our processes as easily as drop something in from the sky. <laughs> right. And so what I realized was, and I feel pretty confident about this now, that that calling, that thing that, you know, whatever you are created to uniquely be and do, I realize it's already in me. Like it's already there. I don't have to wait for it to drop out of the sky. I just have to start getting intentional of doing the, the work of exploration to find it and discover it and figure it out. Absolutely. And so, like you said, you know, we both believe God has wired each person uniquely to bring value to the world. And so that's, that's going to be the clues are already going to be in your past. They're going to be in what you already are doing. And you just have to kind of wrap your head around it and create some clarity. Right. But you're, you're uh, a very self-aware person. And what I note within that is even as someone who had thought about this a lot and is a very self-aware person, and even though it was within you, it was still not obvious. It still took a, a, a real thought process and a pondering and mm-hmm. a, a, a thinking back. So most people, I think, tend to go, I should already know this and I should be able to say it really clearly. And if I can't, then I don't have one. Uh And yet what you're saying is we believe that people do have that calling and that it's within them, but yet it still may not be at all obvious. It may, it may take a lot of detective work in essence. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's the opposite of obvious because it's what you naturally do. So it's just the water so you swim true. in. Yes. You know, like the fish doesn't realize that they need the water because they're just, they've been in it since birth. <laughs> exactly. Just, and yeah, I think that's, that's what happens. So I think that's why it's important to work with somebody who can give you honest feedback because usually they can see through all the weeds that you're tangled in and, and kind of point things out more clearly. Right. I, I remember, you know, an early conversation with you as we were talking about it and, uh, we were across the table at, at a breakfast and you were talking about one aspect of your love and your passion. And, and I kind of stopped. And I said, do you realize what just happened to your voice and your face as you talked about it? And, and it was like, no, what? <laughs> and I, I could physically see a change in you as you talked about it. And that was such a, uh, a signal to me. Uh, but 
you're you. You you couldn't you couldn't see yourself at that moment. Right. And I think the one you're referring to was you gave some. I said a bunch of things, you know, like I usually do. A bunch of bunch of words, a lot of words, and then you said, "I bet you get a lot of joy and fulfillment if you helped some of your closest family and friends reach their full potential." And yeah. it was like, whew, you know, this yeah. like rush of emotion, like, "Whoa, I've been living that every day of my entire life," but hearing you put the right words to it like that was yeah. game changing. That that was years ago. And I still re- remember vividly not to embarrass you, but if I do, that would be fun. <laughs> uh, I can still vividly remember just tears coming to your eyes in yeah. a split second as that was saying, as, as, as I said that, and of course that was meaning so meaningful to me, but I, I, I saw that and I went, wow, something big just happened. Yeah. Which I think is why you and I both have a love for kind of coaching and mentoring and because those are processes where that kind of moment's more likely to happen. Right. Um, it was cool because then in my work, I started to learn about executive coaching and pursue a degree in that. I started to, you know, make more plans around the business I wanted to start because I knew that on, there were a lot of aspects of entrepreneurship that I just always knew I wanted to do. But but what kind of work I would be doing, what kind of business I would start, that was the part that was so unclear. And as I started to pursue those things, each step of the way, it got clearer and clearer. And so I think you're, you're right to say it's a journey that it's not immediately obvious. But I think the difference comes in, are you intentionally seeking it out or are you just living an accidental reactive life? Oh, that's that's so good because in in reality, if you had continued just hoping it would drop from the sky, probably wouldn't have happened. So it it required the combination of your intentionally seeking it out, looking within, going through some processes, and God intervening. Yeah. In that. Yeah. And I think something that's clear now on the other side of that experience and that I see people I'm helping go through a lot is that usually a sign that you're on this journey or should be on this journey is you kind of reach the end of the day feeling like I had more to offer, you know, whether Mm. it's in your work or in a different arena of life, kind of that's besides the point for me, it was at work. I felt like I'm kind of giving like 20% of what I have to offer. Right. And it's not because I wasn't working hard. I was working really hard. It's because I was kind of in the wrong lane. I was doing stuff that was like kind of me, but not really what I'm made to do. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily mean that that you have to be miserable in order to get to that point. You just realize something's missing. It's just not all it could be. As you say, you know, your word, it isn't, you're not reaching your potential. And you're aware of it, even if you can't crystallize what that potential actually looks like. Yeah. that That's great. So now you're coaching and then you pulled me along, you know, in this journey in coaching. And, and you know, when we started those years, you know, years back in, in, in a mentoring type of relationship and now much more in a partnering relationship, you know, what's, what's amazing is it just became so clear early on how much in sync our hearts were and our interests and our talents and our passions were yet coming from very different personalities mm-hmm. within it. And so, you know, very much that one plus one equals three. 
yeah. type type of thing. So you're much younger than I am. As you now, from today, uh, and there, gosh, there's so many other avenues I'd love to talk about in terms of how you've lived your life, because you you have been a picture, even as I see it from the outside, of one who has sought and really has lived an integrated life. You know, I know not a lot, but I know your family, and I know what kind of husband and dad you are, and I know the influence you've had at church and in other people's lives even when there isn't anything professional about it. So, you know, you have lived out a really integrated life. So from where you are, if you could give someone in those early 20 years making that transition that was stressful, that you lost sleep over, um, if you could give them kind of one word of advice from your journey, what would that be? Wow. (laughs) I didn't tell him I was going to ask that. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I think what I would say is start to find your tribe. Start to find your team. Just start to think about who are people who care about me, who are in my corner, who I can trust and be real with, who I can just start to process through thoughts with. I think you know, partially that's how I'm wired, but um, it's just so important to have that outside perspective of someone who can, who is looking out for your best interests, but who can also be really honest. Mm. And I think in our culture, for a lot of reasons, technology included, we don't have a lot of those relationships. And I think there's something really helpful in, in the life journey about the ideas of mentorship, you know, really intentional friendships where it's, may, it's probably not just going to happen super naturally. You might have to put a little thought or intention into it. And I, I mean, like you mentioned, we're kind of coming from different generations and different backgrounds. But it's one of my favorite things about this podcast and this business because it's better because of that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And yeah. I think in our lives it can be the same if we have um, friends our age and different ages who can, you know, who can speak honestly to us and are looking out for us. I mean, what, what is there to lose? Like, it's just right. Boy, I really hope everybody listened to that because that's absolutely so powerful. And that answer, even knowing you that well, would have never crossed my mind as your answer to that question. And yet I look at you and you are such a powerful connector. And there is so much value that you've gleaned from life and from people by your willingness and your humility in connecting and learning and uh, and and sharing with people. And it is a little bit of a lost art in our day and time. So for those who are are at that age, listen to that advice because that's that's uh, that's an absolutely spectacular answer. And I mean, I find I find that stuff really fun. I mean, how would you rather learn by mistake and suffering, or would you rather learn by someone who's been through it and wants to help you avoid it? <laughs> like it's those kind of things, you know, that you yeah. get out of having people like that in your life and. I mean, even look at the brain research lately. Everything shows that 
people are wired to want to help other people. So I think a lot of a lot of folks get hung up on thinking, well, no one wants to like help me or talk about that. And it's like, no, people want to help other people and people want to share their experiences to help others learn from them. Right. And I feel like that's a really rich, important part of life that, like you said, has gotten a little lost. Absolutely. When you reached out to me back at, at, in those first years working together, I, and I remember you mentioned that you'd asked, I was so honored. And that's the reality of when you ask people to help you. Huh. They're, not, they're not reticent going, well, I don't have time. They're honored by that. And that's exactly the feeling that, that I had then that, that you would ask me. I felt honored. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a dynamic that I'm on a mission to flip, which is there's a lot of talk about generations in the workplace, especially, and the tension between and the different approaches and, you know, because technology moves at exponential rate, even more than exponential, the gap is widening. Right. I think we fl- need to flip that narrative. I think it's completely 180 degrees the opposite. I think if generation, different generations learn to, to collaborate, there's a huge one plus one equals three effect because you're bringing different knowledge and experience to the table. You're bringing different approaches and perspectives. And I just think the output is even better. And so, I, you know, it's kind of a side tangent, but I think it's in the vein of what we're talking about. Well, it's certainly another podcast. I think so that's another that, podcast. That's, that's, a, that's great. That's so, a good segue. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. And I know there's, you know, a lot more, and I'm sure, you know, different aspects of our stories, because this is what we've lived and it's all we have, is we'll, we'll come out in other episodes. But it's so great to kind of hear the foundations and there's there's so much that we can learn from that and commonalities that we all walk through so thanks so much for for sharing that today cool absolutely here at greenhouse effect we are big fans of our friends at belay solutions a company that provides incredibly top-notch virtual staffing they actually provide us with executive assistance but they also staff bookkeepers, web specialists, and social media managers. And the thing is, their customer experience is just incredible, and they have a way of finding just the right people for your needs. So we want to give you a taste of what it's like to work with Belay from one of their clients, Dave Richards, the CEO of Elite Performance Associates. Belay saved me when I was focused on growing my business, you know, I can think of recently, um, I was working with a high profile, uh, you know, federal government agency on a conference for them. And it had a lot of moving parts. You know, my VA allowed me to confidently let go of all of those things and just focus solely on preparing content and delivering a high value program to the client. Belay follows up with me, how can I give more, this constant prodding of, you know, how do you, how can we help you more? How can we pull more from your plate so that you can do, you know, what you're meant to do and what you're best at? If you resonate with any of this and want more information, go to belaysolutions.com slash next step. The link is also in the show notes and we've partnered with Belay to give you $200 off your startup fees. Okay, Steve, now it's your turn uh, <laughs> since it's, this is your episode and your story. And 
I'd love to hear kind of out of that story. You know, what's the book recommendation that you have for us this week? One that relates a lot to what I shared today is uh, it's called Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. And I just think this is an awesome, awesome book because Tim Keller is uh, a very well-known author, but he's also a pastor and a theologian. He's also just a thought leader, and he speaks at a lot of you know conferences, and, and he's very aware of a lot of things going on. And so I think he brings a lot of really deep thought and consideration to some of the topics of you know, your calling and your vocation and how that's all shifted in our culture and maybe how we right. should return to thinking about it. So I think I'm going to recommend that one because I found it really, really inspiring. Well, I've read uh, a lot of Tim Keller's books and not that one. And what I love about his writing is he has a simplicity and depth. And those two things don't normally go together, but he is such an amazing communicator. And so in very simple, clear language, he goes to, you know, amazing depth. So I can't wait to get at every good endeavor. Yeah, it's a good one. And if you're someone who, you know, it creeps you out a little bit that it's a pastor or a a Christian author, I would just say, I would challenge you to to take a look because he works and lives in the heart of New York City and is just very relevant to modern culture. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe and come on, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.